and welcome to CBET's podcast. Today's episode is number 22. Lucky number 22. <laughs> and if you've been following us for the past couple of weeks, we have been exploring the topic of the divine warrior, which has been so epic to see a different side or another side of the intricate heart of Jesus. And so we're going to continue that conversation for the next couple of weeks. But first, we just want to bring your attention to a symposium that we have coming up in a couple of weeks. It's so exciting. Really excited. It's going to, it's going to, we're going to have Michael Brown, Dr. Michael Brown, Dr. Craig Keener, Dr. Sam Storms and Dr. Clinton Arnold. We are. Along with others around us, but we just want to make you aware of this. Uh, We have an online virtual summit, Mm -hmm. complete exclusive interview. things like that that you won't get when you're here locally so make sure you sign up Uh, we'll put the link on the bottom here we're coming up here very closely now Mm -hmm. if you're watching this and it's like 10 months later or three months beyond when we've already had the event (laughs) the link should still take you somewhere where you can uh, purchase the archives and so um, that'll be that'll be a great opportunity I'm excited oh super exciting Dr. Dr. Brown actually just sent us a little video yeah uh, it's telling us how how exciting this is for him and how he's never been a part of anything like this before so for me that's that's uh, that makes me really happy so anyway it's gonna be fun we really would love it if you could join us. What's also super exciting, the same weekend of the symposium, somebody special could be coming along, right, Ruben? <laughs> yeah, so you might not see me very much at the symposium because my <laughs> wife and I are expecting our daughter Yay. Uh, uh, around that weekend. We'll see, but you'll be holding the fort down. Totally. So <laughs> it'll I'm work. super strong, so I got everything covered. <laughs> but today we have a really fabulous special yes. guest with us. Rachel Fagutu. Yes. Welcome. Wait, wait. Your husband Welcome. told me how to say it. He okay. said fa fa-ngutu. 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 Wait, you don't even say the G? No, it's very soft. It's Okay. It's way, way back in there. Like lighting. <laughs> wow! Yeah, it's Samoan. Well, the the cool thing, <laughs> awesome. uh, I, of course, I've I've uh, been friends with you guys for a while. Yes. Thank you for letting me be your friend. Thank you for being <laughs> my friend. But anyway, you've been a singer in the house mm-hmm. for a long time, so you're a worship leader. Yes. Uh, but and of course, you're a mama. You have yes. a few kids, and and you guys have been raising them here in the International House of Prayer. Uh, but beyond that. Um, and doing all this children's music and all this stuff that God has led you through, you have been endeavoring to be part in your master's level work right now. Mm-hmm. And w- what are you studying? I'm um, I'm studying national security with an emphasis in Middle East politics. Wow. Who yes. even knew that was a title? I didn't know. <laughs> wow. Yes. Wow. Uh, what happened was a, c- a couple years ago, I started CBETS when Mike started okay. at the very beginning. Yeah. And... Um, I remember studying, especially in Isaiah and Ezekiel, and uh, and I think it was a second or third course. Yeah. The light bulb went on, and I thought, this is really going to happen. Oh, wow. wow. And these nations, these might actually be the real names of real countries. Right. And this is re- real. And and I begin to get a, a burden for who in the world is communicating this to our politicians? Wow. Who's communicating right. this to our heads of state? Um, this could change everything about our international relations and definitely should change the way that America carries itself on the world stage. Right. And so I thought, oh, God, maybe he would use me somehow to speak forth his narrative into the plans um, and the Council of the Nations. See, That's th- amazing. That is some real strategic thinking right there. Right. <laughs> because, you're, you know, the truth is we have been... Um, 
uh, invited to conversations uh, related to governments and, yes. and those things because there sometimes is no solution. There's no, like, how do we solve, like, what's going on that they end up asking, what does the Bible say anything about this? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And because they know that we're a community that really is asking for revelation and insight according to the scriptures, nothing more, you yes, know, right. nothing fluffy, but what does the Bible say? What are some trends we can see? And does it apply to Kermit? And sometimes it doesn't, but there are things that we can see, hey, this is a consistent theological reality. Mm -hmm. If indeed it accelerates at this pace, it could look like da 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 right? Very much so. So. And so in that sense, uh, that kind of counsel is merited. And and, yeah. and even in scripture, we see Daniel being a special counsel. Exactly. Uh, we see Joseph mm -hmm. being a special counsel, people who have access to uh, revelation to God. And by that, it's nothing elitist. It's just those that have been set apart for that, right? So, exactly. so believers, really, of any kind can have access to this because the word is kind of a universal gift <laughs> yes. to us all. And the spirit of God dwells in all of us. And so I, I love that you're reaching, though, to make that contribution. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Do you feel like studying it gives you more insight into the Bible to have had to look at it differently? Um, one thing that I've noticed is if I can make a plug for the House of Prayer. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things that makes uh, a leader great is where their soul is at. Oh, wow. um, I've, I've, obviously, I'm learning from many very smart people. Yeah. Um, there's one, one, it's one thing to be smart. It's mm -hmm. another thing to be wise. And Daniel had this anointing and a way about him that his soul was ready for times of conflict. Okay. And so he wasn't bugging out like, uh, you know, in the Daniel's uh, Daniel in the lion's den, he, he didn't, what I mean by bugging out, he didn't have an addiction to cocaine. Yeah. You know, he didn't have problems with other things that many right. top leaders get into trouble with. And so the point I'm making is the 10, 12, 15, 20 years of day in, day out prayer and singing these passages yeah. is part of tempering our souls so wow. that we can walk in wisdom so that when we speak, it comes with the weight of the, the anointing of the spirit, right. as yeah. well as we need to do our homework as Christians. Mm -hmm. We actually really do need to be in seabeds. We need to go to school. We yeah. need to get as smart as we can to know as much as we can to make it available to the Lord and right. really become great, great vessels. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. We've been speaking a lot um, with Claire Edwards. We've been speaking about the passage, love builds up, but knowledge puffs up mm -hmm. and how we're actually supposed, we are called to love the Lord mm -hmm. with all of our mind. Yeah. But we often just put that on the backbone and you're like, well, knowledge puffs up. So I'll just focus on love when actually we need to have this perfect combination of loving and allowing the Lord to use the wisdom and our mind in order to portray more and more love. So that's such a good point. Exactly. We I, need that both. I think it's part of that prophetic anointing um, that people who have learned and spent time reading and mm -hmm. gaining knowledge understand when to apply the exact kind of wisdom to which situation yeah. and mm -hmm. have the... Uh, preparation in their tongue, in their mouth, in their in their presentation to be able to communicate. That, yeah. That's right. That's yeah. so important. I so appreciate that. Well, I wanted to uh, look at a particular psalm. I know I didn't tell you this, but yes. I, I wanted to look at a particular psalm because we sing it so often in the prayer. It's Psalm 45. Yes. And and the reason I want to talk about it in this, in this um, episode is because uh, oftentimes we use this as a psalm that perpetuates this intimate relationship with Jesus. You know, it's this, you, your, your, what is it? Your mouth is a, a, a no, 
of a ready writer. Yeah, my mouth is a pen of a ready writer. At the point is like, man, I'm overflowing with this stuff yeah. because you're so inspiring to me. And, and we'll, we'll read it in a second. But mm-hmm. but it but it says some other things in there that we often don't correlate um, with intimacy, right. but we kind of just kind of make it work. Yeah. But in truth, I think the passage intends to be a little bit more broad than what we typically embrace it to be on a nominal, just a you know cursory reading of it. Yes. So what I'd like to do, Georgina, you have a great narration voice. Would you read Psalm 45 for us? I love us? this. <laughs> all 17 verses. All, all, no, let's just start with the first like five or six, whatever. Okay. Yes. Here we go. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips, therefore God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one, with your glory and your majesty. And in your majesty, ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness. And your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp in the hands of the king's enemy. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. For you love righteousness and you hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. That's beautiful. That was. And, and of course, you, 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 see, you see it continue to develop, but that's the, actually the part that I wanted to focus mm-hmm. on because it's my heart overflows with this pleasant theme, right? The, I address my verses to the king. Uh, this beautiful kind of introduction to the statement and it says you are fairer than the sons of men or more handsome um, than the sons of men grace is poured upon your lips but then it goes into this phrase in verse three gird your sword upon your thigh now immediately you see well okay that's what a king would do or whatever and the reason we're titling this podcast the mighty one is because of this phrase oh mighty one in your splendor and majesty and then it says ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness isn't that crazy yeah and i like your version it said humility because i think we yeah. understand that more in, the, in our culture these days but the point is we see this uh, as a as a psalm that undergirds this kind of like hey yeah i do think you're awesome god you know mm-hmm. but right away it's not just warring against like my sinfulness or warring against you know uh whatever inward darkness inward crookedness it's warring in truth against yes. all evil and all expressions right. of evil right. and it's a statement of you are worthy of this mm-hmm. and it, it, even of course in verse was it six um where it says your throne O god is forever and ever the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of righteousness or of uprightness like it, uh, right there it's it's naming him as as the king mm-hmm. who rides out with a sword mm-hmm. now that's what i want to unpack a little bit here <laughs> If I may, there, I've this class, this semester, I've been doing work on the presidency, studying the presidency. Okay. The this is just so cool. Of the presidency <laughs> of the United States. And we've gone through from George Washington all through, all the way through Lincoln and then more recently to the things going on in the American politics. Yeah. Now, we, I just finished a report on um, presidential character because in the secular narrative, there's a division of uh, the man who is the king, and the office of the king. Uh, 
So it, in, the, in the secular narrative, you can, be, you can live like the devil and still be an awesome president. But we see the complete opposite in the biblical picture of Messiah, yeah. of, the, of a true leader. And so what we have is this premier model of biblical kingship. And what, what we have is Jesus showing us that every king, and especially the king that will reign forever, if he wants to be successful— if he wants to be victorious, and if he wants to be long-lasting, then his motive needs to be to ride for the cause of truth, humility, and justice. Wow. Mm. And a man who does not love righteousness and hate wickedness could never ride on those for those you know, for those reasons. Yeah. Right. And so right away in this Psalm, what God is establishing is a model of leadership that the world still does not know of. Because if you right. look at our, our world leaders, mm -hmm. they're corrupt. They lie, they cheat, they steal the, the you know, yeah. and, uh, and, and so this sets the stage for why Jesus can gird his sword. Right. Yeah. It's because when he wields his sword, he's not going to wield it out of vengeance um, out of uh, corruption, out of this bone-crushing thirst for blood. That's right. what we see in the dictators of the earth. This is not Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is a different man. Yeah. And so it's important to look at his character before we talk about him doing what he does in the book of Isaiah. See, and that's I appreciate so you say that because that's right. There's this unrighteous kind of vengeance that many dictators historically have shown. Like, just because you looked at me wrong or you were the prosperous one when I was growing up, when I was poor, I'm therefore just going to make you suffer right. for whatever reason. This mm -hmm. unrighteous vengeance. Of course, we see God, uh, you know, established for himself, you know, where he says vengeance is mine, right? But he, this is a, a pure you know, untainted by human weakness kind of vengeance. And that's what distinguishes Christ from, as Messiah, from the other kings of the earth. Right, it's true. Which is why Psalm 2 says, be wise, O kings of the earth, and stop your nonsense, bow down to the only one worthy mm -hmm. to rule, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that that's, uh, that's pretty pretty cool um, that, you, that you state that. Because yeah. unless we understand his character, mm -hmm. we won't understand his actions. Right. And I mean, we see, we even see this in a small way with Saul and David, don't we? We mm -hmm. see the people of Israel wanted a big, strong king, just like all the other nations around them. And so God gave them Saul. Yeah. And obviously we know that he ended up being corrupt in his heart. He did not love the Lord. He wanted what he wanted, which wasn't God. But then God had set apart this little puny man called David, who was tiny, but his heart was a heart of gold. And I know yeah. we all know he ended up stumbling later on in life, but it was due to the fact that he had a heart after the Lord, which is what you're saying. You're like, no, Jesus's heart is pure gold. He wants the right things. And right. because of the overflowingness of his heart towards the Lord, right. then he actually has the right to do what and he needs to do. And with David, what we see is this everlasting mercy. Mm. He, he couldn't even crush his own sons when, I mean, some people argue whether this is a positive thing about his character or a negative thing. But when his own son tried to steal a kingdom from him, we see this endless mercy in David's heart yeah, because he bowed and he trembled before the king of kings. And so he realized that vengeance wasn't his. And so even as the warrior king of Israel, the way in which his heart con uh, conducted I, I believe warfare and correction 
was one of mercy. That's what we can see in the scriptures. And why would the Messiah who's coming to reign and rule the earth, rule and reign the earth, why would he be any different? He would be way further along, you know, the the picture, the perfect picture of Jesus. So, I mean, there's no rage. There is absolutely no rage in the book of Revelation when Jesus is executing his enemies. Say that again. He he, he (laughs) doesn't have rage. Rage is the opposite of self-control. It's rooted in mm. very dark emotions that that are uh, uh, that are part of hate. Yeah. Jesus doesn't have that. He he right. has he is incapable of that. Now he is extremely strong and he is extremely swift in his judgments. But even swift judgment is more mercy than long drawn out torment and torture. Right. Do you see what I mean? Mm. And so even the way in which he judges shows his heart and his character. Well, I think I think it's important to to stay in this in that phrase that you just mentioned, because I like what you're saying. You know, the the, the fact that we would attribute uh, the lack of self-control like this, you know, intense, just lashing out of emotional anger and anguish. Um, is not really consistent with the character of God. Of course, we do see the wrath of God. We do see the way that he he does it. And sometimes, I mean, when we think about eternal torment, that is long and drawn out, but it's after, you know, just the, the history of humanity, just over time, like Peter says, that God doesn't want anyone to perish, mm-hmm. but that all would, would, you know, come into salvation. The point is, throughout history, God has been, you know, just... Being patient with humanity. Yes. And and then at the end, he's like, okay, enough is enough. It is my nature and my dignity to confront all things that hinder right. love. Yes. And the time has come. I want my bride, Jesus would say. And the father gives the son his bride, but it comes through this procession of purifying the earth. Because yes. it's not just a bride. It's a bride in a world right. that is his inheritance. Mm-hmm. All the nations are his. And so there is the purging of the, the earth. It's the being rinsed by fire as we see at the end of the millennium. And all of that, that God is is, is saying it's time. But he's been right. extremely patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that we've um, misidentified the patience with silence. Yes. And so therefore we think he's inactive and therefore he's not even here when actually he's just tenderly being patient. Yeah, and that, that's actually something that interests me to ask you because in your studies, right, yeah. you're looking at Middle East politics, which, I mean, I was just wa- reading an article about a major, what I would consider an advocate for justice who was recently you know, murdered be- because of what she stood for um, in the Middle East. And, um, and it just seems like, they're, like God is silent sometimes. Mm-hmm. But clearly, we know from the scriptures that that's not what's happening, yet it results sometimes in this kind of seeming absence. Yeah. Well, I would say, okay, first, uh, many of us, the only thing we have to compare this kind of uh, like warfare or this kind of judgment to are broken men in the earth. Right. So we, we can't fathom clean judgment. We just can't because, well, many of us just can't even go there because of the amount of pain that we see in the ways that man judges man, right? And so, um, oh, what you, you, you had something that you were, you just said. 
I said a lot of things. I know. I, well, the, the thing that I don't want to do is throw out Jesus's permission to be a just judge that can come in and swing the gavel and say, no, finally, the sentence, I'm going to let the sentence, it has to hit sooner or later because that, that's what oh, makes I, him judge. I was referring to the eternal torment uh, you know, that we see in Scripture. Of course, annihilationism is a theological postulate right now that has pretty... Uh, gained a lot of ground amongst millennials, but but I, I fundamentally disagree with that. I'm mm -hmm. here exposing my <laughs> my views, but I do I not because I want Jesus to burn people in hell for eternity. But the scriptures are quite clear. Uh, from my vantage point, orthodoxy informs us as well that the church fathers believe this through through the creeds. There's a there's this belief that indeed there is a punishment for those who don't repent that it is eternal. Of course, the 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 fundamental belief, the reason for the eternality of the torment is because we were made in the image of God. Therefore, we're eternal beings. We don't just cease to exist. Right. We cannot cease to exist. All receive glorified bodies at the end, mm -hmm. and some glorified bodies. So we can endure the beauty of God and others a glorified body so that they can endure the eternal torment. I know that's really intense, but we're talking about divine warrior right now. Right. Makes right. sense. And so we're, <laughs> yeah. we're realizing here that there's severe consequences when you choose to say no to the king of all the universe, including under the earth or, the, or hell. Yeah. Right. And so that being the case, there is a sentence mm -hmm. that none of us, I mean, all of us deserve, yeah. but none of us are doomed to if we repent, right. that's the point. He's provided a way for us to be in perfect communion with him. And so, right. and so in the judgments of God that are filled with mercy and patience and long-suffering, there is still, for those who persist in their sin and persist in their intensity of, of, of hatred against God, there is a punishment. And again, it's the nature of God as holy mm -hmm. exactly. to, in, to make sure that those things are confronted. Exactly. So, so you mentioned silence and you're men mentioning keeping record. And it's important to note that Jesus is very clear in all of the scripture that yeah. he totally is watching. Yeah. There is nothing that happens on the earth that the Lord does not see or know. Yeah. And each action thought, it has to be weighed and then it will be judged because yeah. God is good. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we don't realize that there is an account being taken of the words that we speak and the actions that we do. And it's not just for believers, it's for unbelievers as well. Yeah. Because there will come a time when everyone will have to answer for what they said, what they did, what went on with their heart. And um, this ends up being the just cause for Jesus to ride. Right. So what happens is there's this pile of case casework, <laughs> caseload. There's this caseload on his desk, on Jesus' desk, if you will, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And he's saying, hey, look, this this nation has done, you know, done this and done this and done this and done this and done this. And we see a silence of the last 100, 200 years, nothing's happened. Yeah. Let's just say even since World War II, yeah. nothing has happened. Yeah. But there are grievances against the court of heaven that right. need to be dealt with with right. whether you believe in God or not actually doesn't even matter you have offended the law of God yeah. Yeah. and because we offend the law of God we are held accountable held accountable mm -hmm. to the wrath that comes because of that now not just personally personal repentance is great but when we get into the kind of stuff that Jesus is addressing in Isaiah the man in red he's addressing world rulers who actually thought think that they can kill him. 
right. in his resurrected body. Do you know how full of pride you have to be yeah. to think that you can kill a resurrected man who came down from heaven? That is so much pride. That's pride beyond pride beyond pride. Yeah. But these men have human trafficked. These men have massacred they massacred other population, wiped out whole tribes of people. These men, in the name of their own honor, right. of their own glory, have um, be, uh, be, bewitched and betwixt, I don't know, yeah, yeah. deceived yeah. other nations. They have lied. They have... Um, we want to talk about the most gross gathering of the most depraved group of leaders who have led their nations in depravity right. to denounce the most merciful man. This kind of punishment, the, these men, and, and, and the Lord paints it very clearly. He, 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 he's almost like drawn them. Yeah. Yes. He's yeah, yeah. drawn, come on, he's almost like, Taunting them. Taunting, yeah. like picking a fight. Why? Because he has his eye on those children who are suffering in those prison cells. Yeah. He has his eye on those refugee, refugees who no longer have a home mm -hmm. because their own leader doused them in chemical, disgusting chemical warfare, you know, chemical yeah. weapons. Like right. Jesus is coming back because he hears the cries of the victims of these reckless leaders and he has to do something, and right. his father allows him. His well, father says, now go. And yeah. since you you, you uh, referenced Isaiah 63, I, I kind of want to read a couple of these verses that are really intense. But I, but I, I believe that it's important to see the full picture that, that, that is painted. Isaiah, you know, after, as Dale Anderson showed us, after, after facing the woe of the impurity of his own lips as a messenger, God grants him this just just a massive revelation about the second coming of Christ. And this is the seminal moment when Jesus is seen as the divine warrior right here. It says, and I'm just going to skip um, uh, to um, verse three. It says, I trod them in my anger and, and trampled them in my wrath. Their lifeblood spattered on my garments and stained all my apparel. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and my year of redemption, redemption had come. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled, but there was no one, um, there was no one uh, to uphold. So my own arm brought me salvation, and my wrath upheld me. That's crazy. I trampled down the peoples in my anger. I made them drunk in my wrath, and I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. The point here is he's saying there was no one to help me or that uh, that I was alone and all this stuff was, was as you were saying, that they were so ostentatious, so, yes. so audacious to, to oppose him. So in terms of governance in the earth, Jesus is found as a lone ruler mm -hmm. and he's about to say, you have no part with me. And, and so he is drawing them, right? right. He's drawing them. And, and according to Isaiah 63, he, he, releases his full wrath upon them yes and 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 it, it's such an intense statement you know mm -hmm. I, I think it's really important to notice if you watch i mean just think of it these rulers are gathered they've sent their armies against jesus jesus is coming by himself yeah, yeah. he didn't send people out in front of him like right. many cowards do yeah these cowards are hiding out after Jesus comes through their armies, and then he finishes the leaders off. Yeah. Jesus himself doesn't require any of us to, to fight. 
Right. He, but he is saying, no, I will go out ahead of you and I will do this work. Yeah. That, right. that speaks to a man of courage. It, he's definitely uncovering the lack of courage, the right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it speaks to the character of yeah. these, these leaders that they would totally, they would call on in a war like this. And then, and then, you know, Jesus by himself. I'm just trying to see. No one can actually do this because no one's as clean as he is. Yeah, yeah. and I see, I see in verse seven actually that that uh, that that I see <laughs> substantiation for what you just stated because right after that treatise, it says Isaiah says, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord. Thank God (laughs) that he is strong enough to oppose the darkness. It is not this funeral dirge of like, oh my gosh, I got to apologize for Jesus because he's doing things that that aren't kosher. Oh no, oh no. It's Isaiah saying, he is the mighty one. He is the one who's able to deliver and to save. That's that's what I see. And of course, this beautiful statement, you know, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us and the great goodness to the house of Israel. Like he was faithful to Israel, you know, yeah. verse eight, surely they are my people, children who will not, you know, I mean, it's just like the statement of mm-hmm. God, you have been faithful. Thank you for ridding the world of the wicked leadership and the, the stain, the, you know, the wickedness that hasn't left right. the human race. Yeah. So, so if you look at what's going on in our Supreme Court right now, uh, I was reading as I was preparing for this earlier in Isaiah, it says, you come to court, but your all of your uh, account of situations are all empty because you all lie. There is no justice anymore. If you look at what's going on with our Supreme Court, mm-hmm. there's trial after trial bringing uh, accusations against people, but even the witnesses and those coaching the witnesses on are... F- are full of lies. And so Gosh. there is no court strong enough to hold these leaders that Jesus is right. taking care of. There's none left right? because they own the courts. Wow. These top leaders own the courts. They own the judges. They own the priests. They own the prophets. They're, that's the kind of depravity that will be worldwide in this time. And Jesus and every human, I think, is crying out for real justice. Did anyone see the offense that was just done against me? Does anyone care that I was just ripped off? Whole nations we're seeing are rising up and right. saying, does anyone care about the injustice that was done to our people? And Jesus is making a statement. He's saying, you know, I am the bridegroom the king and the judge i do care as your bridegroom i can come as a strong king and we're going to set the record straight and i want to speak to a a just war you know this is there's a study now there's a, a way of studying war yeah and in order to start a just war nations have to prove that they have a just cause and sometimes a nation will begin a war without a just cause. Mm-hmm. And that's what we would call almost barbarianism. We're just going to just ride in there with our t- artillery yeah. and just blow people up and take the land. That's, that's not just. And even the world knows that. We're talking about right. not Christians, right? Yeah. And so, but Jesus, he is a just and righteous ruler. And he has put on notice to all the kings of the earth in this word. This is why I love studying what I'm lo- uh, studying what I study. It's in my word. I am going to take care of every single evil deed that has been done. And then we see because the Lord is watching every single deed that has been done, he has a just cause right. for acting at the magnitude that he acts in in Isaiah 63. Yeah. 
it's mm, it's just sure. he's he's displaying he's displaying something that is so fair yeah. in our eyes we don't see it as fair because we haven't seen hundreds of oh, years yeah. of of we trauma you know yeah, so it's true wow. it's epic too because you see that Jesus is acting according to the laws he's put in place. Right. It's not as if he's suddenly like, actually, guys, I know I said this in the Bible and I know I said this is how you should live. But actually, I'm going to go above it and right. just do what I want now. It's as if he he does keep himself within the boundary lines that he even gave us, wow. which is humility all over again. So it's crazy. But I also just wanted to touch the point of he comes back, but then he sets up the millennial kingdom, yes. which we know is this thousand year reign where he is leading perfectly. Yes. He's judging perfectly. And we have these kings and these people all around the world who see perfect leadership in the fullness. Right. They have Jesus here as the president, as the king, as God to rule and reign. But then at the end of the millennial kingdom, we see these people come up again and be like, I don't care that you're perfect. I still want what I want. And so it's like, okay, of course they, they're they prideful now, but it blows my mind that they'll be prideful then yeah. when Jesus has set out perfect leadership. Yeah, and I think he's, he's I mean, part of the, that, that's the inward crooked, crookedness in mm. our hearts. And that to me, actually, I know this is going to come off weird, but for me, that's actually more of a statement of his patience Mm. through the process yes. so yeah. lucifer he i mean imagine if we know god is an emotional god and i know i know we're human free-willed agents right but mm -hmm. but there were free will agents uh that were angelic that he loved mm -hmm. you know he yeah. he loves his creation yes. and so imagine how god felt when a third of the angels of heaven agreed with this deceived one you know, this prince of lies, you yeah. know, imagine how that would have felt yeah. when, a th you know, 33%, a third of your kingdom decides to go against you when you're eternally benevolent and good yeah. and kind and merciful and strong. And, and, you know, so that's intense. So when he creates, let us make man in our image or humanity in our image, he's committed to the process, right? you know, yes. and he sees it to the end that even a thousand years to, to, Purge the earth, you know, slowly. But then at the end of the thousand years, Satan is released from prison. And once and for all, given that that utility mm -hmm. to cause the, the the anger and the inward crookedness, even during the millennial reign, yeah. for those that are the unsafe survivors that end up living as humans on the earth a little bit longer because now there's good fruit and all that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now this broken GMO stuff. Yes. <laughs> The point is, uh, so so now that's happening, even at the end, that emerges, Satan is deceitful again, yeah. but it's an eternal witness so that we would not turn and do the same thing yeah. ever again. Mm -hmm. And as, as the scriptures say in Revelation, like, there will be no more sorrow. Mm -hmm. There's no more tears, no more, you know, mm -hmm. none of this nonsense, none of this audacity. Right. So Gosh. so the, the, the commitment to the long to the process, uh, we have a picture, we see Jesus's justice in his actions. So before he goes into war on Isaiah, in Isaiah 63, he announces, we have his processional, right. everyone sees him coming, it's in the word, even for people who didn't think it would happen, now they know the light bulb's going on, yeah. whoa, it's happening. Well, another thing that happens with just leaders is that they are thinking about what happens 
after the war. Yeah. Because um, irrational, irrational dictators, they just want to burn it all down. Right. They have no vision for the future. They just want to rip everything to shreds and just be done with it, right? Mm. No, we see intentionality. We see thoughtfulness. We see so many layers of wisdom in Jesus. So that after, and this is one of the most beautiful things, if you just read Isaiah 60, yeah. it's talking about how beautiful the reparations are to the people who were oppressed in the yeah. earth. They get a city. The Lord gives them, they get the money restored to them. They get lands restored to them. Um, they get, they get the, the, emotion, the emotional trauma is healed. There, is, um, there, there are various, for us as, as saints, we get to rule and reign. Yeah. The yeah. things that he promised us that we would have, even though we, we might have been persecuted on this side of the resurrection, after this event, the people who stood with Jesus they will have reparations. And even, this is crazy, even those who do not get saved through this whole process, they still get to live. Yeah. They still get to repent and they still get to receive the blessing of, of, of living underneath the government of yeah. Messiah. Yeah, as, lo as long as they don't sin against the yeah. Holy Spirit, which taking the mark of the beast is eternal uh, opposition yeah. to yes. the Holy Spirit, right? And so this blasphemy is kind of not, has not marred even the unsaved ones. Right. And so that's why they're given this opportunity to live through this mm -hmm. beautiful time. Yeah, right? Jesus true. is a physical king in Jerusalem. Man. Crazy. I'm going to go to that symposium. It's a long, it's a journey because Jesus has his vision. His vision is not just to to do Isaiah 63, yeah. his vision is to honor his father with a government that brings glory to his father, right. yeah. that promotes truth, humility, and justice. Right. A government with all of, can you imagine a government where all of the officials yeah. love righteousness and hate wickedness? Can you imagine the Gosh. amount of peace in the streets? I mean, the Bible paints a yeah. picture of children singing, of like, us growing old, like, yeah. <laughs> enjoying, I don't yes. know, shawarma, I guess, in the New Jerusalem. But it's like, <laughs> I mean, that's Jesus' vision. That's yeah. a just leader. Yeah. Right. And he's ra waging a just yeah. war with a just, just cause. And and he, because he longs for mercy. Yeah. yeah. You know. But I love it. He doesn't just forget about his people at the same time. No. He takes them with him. Yeah. And so it's like. It's part of his plan. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Such a beautiful picture. We can so easily think think of the rogue man set on his mission but right. it's like yeah. he's also the shepherd of our soul and so he wants to take us on that journey with him I well I, I i as we've had this conversation today i've i've noticed there's this there's this visceral pain cry in your voice when you talk about this now we're all parents here i think that part of the reason is your mama yeah you know and what kind of world is the is the are is are they going to experience what are what are we handing them right right i think that's part of the reason that that motivates you yes. but why don't you address that a little bit you know well, just as a mom like how how does that feel like that this is part of the reality of what we're living through okay so back to my studies in the presidency um i we, we had to do a report on presidential uh, morality or pre presidential character and so um, we were talking, and what happens when the chief guy is allowed to be absolutely depraved, what it does is it sends a message to the rest of society. If the top guy can get away with this, 
then the next guy can, then the next rung of authority can. And then what we have is this lawlessness and chaos in the streets. Mm-hmm. Whenever lawlessness abounds, there, when lawlessness abounds, abuse abounds, woundings, uh, you want to talk about murder, you want to talk about stealing, you want to talk, I mean, it just, we can keep on going and going. Well, if you look at our society nowadays, some of it is due to the, the, the society is starting to crumble apart because we don't have leaders who love righteousness and hate wickedness. And many times, I know for us in our nation, my head's kind of spinning like, wait a second, can you be a leader with this much power and this little character? Yeah. Is this allowed? And so, and, and so I'm watching my children being raised, and how do we save a society like this? You teach your children the word. Wow. And you teach them how to pray and how to sing. That's how. And you love your children. And you model for your children. Mommy loves righteousness. And mommy hates wickedness. And mommy really loves you. Yeah. And and so what it does is I, I really believe that the house of prayer is an answer to this. Because we are called to bring the future generations into his house, train them as leaders, and release them into the earth as a witness of that messianic leadership yeah. that loves truth, humility, and justice. Yeah. <sighs> How can a young man keep his way clean, eh? Yeah. Live according and I just, to I mean, you have so much authority to say that. <laughs> just because the little songbirds has been such a blessing to our children. You know, the project where you have yeah. songs teaching them righteousness for children in an engaging way. And so, in fact, I want to recommend that to you guys. If you have children and you want tools to help you to help, you know, continue to uh, bring those valleys into the hearts of your children, uh, Rachel and Walesa actually did a couple of albums called Little Songbirds. You can find that on your website, uh, iTunes. Just search for it on Spotify, wherever. But um, thank you so much, Rachel, for coming in. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, like, guys. It's just, it's just so refreshing because yeah. I've watched you live out your life before God, and now you're, you're, you've, you've gained in the place of prayer this, this roar, and and so you, you're setting yourself, even as a mom, as a missionary, to give yourself to this study so that you might be a voice. And I think we're all called to be a voice in some oh, measure. Amen. And, and so it's very inspiring to see you step yeah. into that that place. So thank, thank you. you for joining Thanks us for today. You're amazing. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> well, you know the drill. You can find any of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. And we will see you next week That's where we right. will round off this conversation of the Divine Warrior with the Canlis. Yeah, Matt, Matt and Dana. Dana will be joining us and we'll be talking on the Divine Warrior yeah. as our last kind of capstone episode we for will. the series. But we thank you for joining us today. And don't forget, if you want to check out the symposium, just look at the comments below and you can link right to it and join us here very soon. So. Seriously. See you next Friday, 2 p.m. Central Time. That's right. Peace.